Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Hey, an update on what's going on. As you saw, the upper lot has been paved and striped. I told you that was going to happen a month ago. See, it just took a little bit longer. Uh, hopefully the lights will go in this week. They're about half done up there. Uh, if you have not been into the rotunda area outside of the sanctuary, uh, we have uh, all new carpet that's been put in there through the old building as well. And a new welcome center has been uh, put in. So uh, that's going very well. Make sure you go by and see that. We hope next Sunday, two great things are going to take place. One, we will be back in the sanctuary. When we get back into the sanctuary, Know that it's not going to be completely finished, uh, but that we'll be able to start worshiping in there. One of the things that won't be completed is we were afraid if you just went suddenly from the gym into the sanctuary, there's going to be a little bit of shock. So we're going to take these uh, chairs with us uh, for another couple of weeks so that you can kind of get used to that. And uh, then we'll, we'll switch them back out. So that'll be one of the things that won't be completed uh, over the next couple of weeks. We also hope next Sunday, if everything goes well, uh, that the lower lot, the new lot, will be paved and you'll be able to park on it. It won't be completed yet. and probably might not be completed uh, for a month or two with landscaping and everything, but we believe uh, you'll be able to park on that beginning next Sunday. So some really good things coming up and, and we continue to look forward to them. Hey, take out your Bibles, turn over to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. We started this Advent Christmas season, and as we get into it, everybody likes uh, songs of, and stories about Christmas. You know, we watch a, a Christmas story, and it's a wonderful life, and Charlie Brown Christmas, and the Grinch, and everything. But one of the most beloved Christmas stories of all time is A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Actually written in 1843, and it had a lot to do with Dickens' own upbringing, a child in poverty, a lot of abuse, uh, the industrial revolution of his day. And it was, a, it was a story about how we needed to regain this sense that it's people that mattered and not things. And uh, you know the story, Ebenezer Scrooge uh, is visited by three ghosts that haunt him, the ghosts from the past the present, and the future. And we're going to be looking at the three ghosts that still haunt us today. The ghosts from our past, the ghosts of today, and the ghosts of the future as we go through the Christmas Advent season. And with that in mind, we're going to share a real short clip here uh, from a Christmas story. And this is Marley, who is Scrooge's business manager, talking to Scrooge about his regrets from the past and the change from his past that still haunt him. And so we're going to be looking at the ghost of Christmas past today. And so look at this and listen, especially for how his past still haunts him. Uh, as we look at this short clip, chain, tell me why I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. Is it pattern strange to you? Or would you know the weight and length of the strong coil you bear yourself? It was as full, as heavy, and as long as this seven Christmas Eves ago. You have labored on it since. It is a ponderous chain. I see no chain. Mine were invisible until the day of my death. As yours shall be. 
Tell me more. Speak. Comfort to me. I have none to give. My spirit never walked beyond our counting house. In life, my spirit never roved beyond the narrow limits of our money-changing hole. No doubt of that. You always were a good man of business. Business? Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. I'm sorry for you, Dick. Is there anything I can do for you? For me? Nay, it is too late. So you see the ghosts of the past that haunt Jacob Marley and will begin to haunt Ebenezer Scrooge. We're going to look over to Luke chapter 1. And the first thing we see is this. Even the best of us have ghosts from our past that haunt us. Look down to chapter 1, verse 5. It says, In the time of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. And both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. So you have this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're an older couple. By the time uh, this is written in our scripture passage, uh, we're told that this takes place in the time of Herod, uh, shortly before the birth of Jesus. Zechariah and Elizabeth were really good people. First, they came from a really good bloodline. They were both from the tribe of Levi, the tribe of priests. But Elizabeth was more than that. She was a direct descendant of Aaron himself. That would be like saying, hey, you know, I can trace my bloodline back to George Washington or, or uh, the Mayflower or something like that. So they had a really good bloodline. But not only that, we're told that in the sight of God, look down to, to verse uh, uh, 6, both of them were upright in the sight of God. Now, that's not comparing yourself to another person. It's not, I'm better than my next door neighbor. This is in God's sight. They were upright. How would you like God to say that about you? God thinks you're upright. So they're pretty good. But not only that, we're told that they were blameless and followed all the ways of the Lord perfectly. So you've got this really good couple here. Uh, This senior adult couple, they've lived a great life. They're blameless. God thinks they're upright. They've lived so well. So surely a couple like this would have no regrets in life. They would have nothing they look back on that haunts them. But that wasn't the case at all. Keep reading verse 7. But, and don't you hate that word but. Everything's going good. But, but they had no children because Elizabeth were barren and now they were well along in years. So they had one ghost from their past that haunted them. And the ghost was they weren't able to have children. Uh, that, that Elizabeth had been barren their entire marriage. And not only that, they were now both too old to have children. And they had regretted that ever since. As a matter of fact, in verse 25, we're told that Elizabeth thought it was a disgrace that she hadn't had any children. Now today we know there's a lot of reasons people don't have children. Sometimes people just don't want children. But back in this day and age, children were considered a blessing of the Lord. And it was considered a curse if you didn't have one. So they think, what are we doing wrong? We, we're, we're blameless. We're doing everything we're supposed to do. And yet God has not given us any children. And this ghost of the past continues to haunt them. 
And the same happens to us today. There's not a person in this room that doesn't have ghosts from your past that haunt you at one time or another. Every single solitary one of us. And most of those ghosts come from one of three places. Sometimes the ghosts come from the first place, and that is we regret and feel guilty over things we've done. So we look at the sins in our life, we look at the mistakes we've made, we look at our failures, and there's a lot of guilt, there's a lot of remorse, there's a lot of shaking our head and saying, I wish I hadn't done that, wish I'd have been smarter, uh, wish I'd have known the future. Uh, and so we regret things we've done in the past. So that's one way that we have ghosts of the past. A second thing, though, it's not just the things we've done, sometimes it's the things that we left undone, things we didn't do that's ghosts that haunt us. And so we look around and we say, you know, I wish I had done that. I wish I would have done this at school. I wish I would have studied harder. I wish I would have taken that promotion. I wish I had taken this more seriously. Uh, We look at all of the things we wished we would have done that we never did. And so we have the ghost of the things that we've done that haunt us and the ghost of the things we wish we had done. But I think there's also a third category that we often leave out. And I think it's just as powerful, if not more powerful, than the first two. And that's sometimes we have ghosts of our circumstances. Ghosts of our circumstances. And what I mean by that is, it's not something good or bad that you've done. It's something of life that's just come upon you. Uh, It might be a loved one that died way too early, a a spouse, a child, and you look back at that with hurt and regret and remorse. It might have been something that's happened to you, an illness that came upon you, an abuse that happened to you that wasn't right. It was something that shouldn't have happened and shouldn't have been done, but it did, and you still carry the scars and the hurt of that past that was there. So I think it comes upon us in three ways. Things we did we regret, things we should have done that we wished we had, and and, and just circumstances of life that hit us and have beaten us down and have hurt and scarred us deeply, and we look back and the past just hurts. But all of us have ghosts from our past that haunt us. Probably most of y'all know who Kim Basinger is, the, the Hollywood actress. You know, she, she's beautiful, she's rich, she's been in a lot of really famous movies. But most people don't know that she grew up in a very abusive environment uh, as a child. And she said that her dad used to throw parties all the time. And he would always want her to dress up and look really pretty because she was the, the pretty little girl, you know, and everything. But if she ever misbehaved, she got beaten severely. And so she said at parties that her dad would throw, she just tried to stay out of the way. She would just go to the corner and try to stare at the corner and not say anything to anyone so she wouldn't get in trouble. And she said to this very day when she's at a party, she'll try to say hi to a few people, but she'll find herself after a few minutes going over into the corner and standing and staring at the corner. And then everybody thinks, oh, she's so stuck up. She thinks she's better than everybody else. And they don't know how much she's hurting and how uncomfortable she is. It's a ghost from her past. She's a multimillionaire actress now, but it's a ghost from her past that she still hasn't been able to shake. And all of us have ghosts from our past that haunt us. And so after a while, those ghosts are so prevalent, they stay with us for so long that we just begin to live with the disappointment. And that's the next thing that we see, uh, that we we think the ghosts are never going to go away. They're always going to be there. And we just learn to live with the disappointment. So let's see what happens in our scripture passage down at verse 8. Now, once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of incense, uh, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. 
Now, we were told earlier in verse 5 that Zechariah was a part of the priestly division of Abijah. Now, that doesn't mean anything to you, but there were uh, 26 divisions of priests. Abijah was just one of those 26 divisions. That means they served in the temple twice a year, okay? There were 18,000 priests. So if your division is only serving the temple twice a year, it, it may never happen in your whole life that you actually get to serve in the temple. But Zechariah was chosen by Lot. He's an old man. It's one of the crowning achievements of his life as a priest. He goes into the temple alone to burn incense. Verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. So an angel shows up. Now, uh, we've said before, most of the time we think of angels as uh, cute little cherubs that fly around with, with bow and arrow or something like that. But that's not what an angel is at all. Every scripture, when an angel appears, people are scared to death, okay? And so we've told you before, there's something called Angel 101 School. And in Angel 101, the first thing they teach an angel is when you show up, you always have to say... Yeah, fear not. Do not be afraid. That's the first thing an angel's always told to do. Okay? And so this angel shows up. Zechariah gets scared to death. This big, powerful angel has shown up out of nowhere. And just as a side note, it always interests me that here is Zechariah at the greatest moment of his religious experience, burning temple in the inc- in the incense in the temple. And the last thing he expects to happen is God to show up. You know, I, I always find that interesting. But, but anyway, the angel shows up there. Zechariah is scared to death. And so the angel says in verse 13, do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Now, what prayer is he talking about? Surely it's not the prayer that he's going to have a child because he and Elizabeth haven't said that prayer in a long time. They've forgotten about that prayer. That prayer is over with. They're now both too old to have children. But the angel goes on and he says this, your wife Elizabeth is going to bear a son. And you're to name him John. And then he goes on and says, this child, John, that's going to be yours, this child is going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. He's going to be the Elijah that's talked about in Malachi that's going to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah himself. Keep reading verse 14. He'll be a joy and a delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth. He was never going to drink wine or fermented drink. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. And many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now he's quoting Malachi 3 here. And, and every good Jewish uh, person at this day and age would have known that was a direct reference to the coming of the Messiah. So he's being told, you're going to have a son, your long-awaited prayer is answered, and he's going to be the one that will prepare the people for the Messiah. Now how do you react to something like that? You react with awe. You react with joy, excitement. You react with, with unbelievable amazement and thanksgiving. But that's not how Zechariah reacted. It's not how he reacted at all. Look down to verse 18. And so Zechariah said to the angel, How can this be? I'm an old man, and my wife's well along in years. So he's been told this great thing. Your wife's going to have a baby after all of these years. He's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. He's going to make ready a people prepared for God. Your child will be great. And Zechariah says, Yeah, I don't think so. As a matter of fact, my wife is barren, and now we're both too old to have children. 
So you must have gotten it wrong. Now think about that for a second. He's just been given this amazing news, but his past haunts him so much, and he's so used to living with disappointment that he can't see it. All he can see is the hurt of the past that clouds every single thing about his future. Now, that ticks the angel off, okay? Angel doesn't like that one bit. So let's see how the angel responds in verse 19. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you good news. And now you will be silent and unable to speak until the day this happens because you didn't believe my words and they will come true at the proper time. So Zechariah, so haunted by his past, just says, yeah, I don't think so. And the angel gets irritated. It ticks him off and he says, do you know who I am? Ten seconds ago, you were scared to death and now you're arguing with me. So here's my advice to you. Don't tick an angel off. Okay, write that down in your notes somewhere. And so the angel says to him, do you know who I am? I am Gabriel. I literally stand in the very presence of the Lord God of the universe himself. And he, not some angel, he, the Lord God of the universe, directly told me to come and bring you this good news. And now you don't believe it? Well, then you're not going to be able to speak until it happens. And it will happen just the way God said it did. And so here is Gabriel. I can't believe your past haunts you so much that you can't believe the good news that God is trying to give to you. But that's still how many of us are today. The regrets of our sins, the guilt that we feel haunts us and we can't move forward. Wishing we had done something we didn't haunts us. Circumstances that come upon us and have scarred us deeply, they still haunt us. Probably most of y'all, you know who Karen Carpenter is from the, from the Carpenters. You know, get out your Carpenter Christmas album, by the way. It's really a good Christmas album. That's my little, little, little tidbit of knowledge there for you. Uh, Karen Carpenter, as a lot of you know, died at the age of 32 years of age. She died of anorexia. And it came about in a very unusual way that she got this terrible disease. When she was just 16 years old, her and her brother Richard made their first album. And it had some great songs on there. And one of the reviewers wrote this. Richard Carpenter is a pretty good pianist and his chubby sister sings. And that scarred her so deeply that for the next 16 years of her life, she stopped eating, refused to do anything to help herself. And listen to this. This young lady would have 14 gold records, one Academy Award, and three Grammys. But she was so haunted by that one review when she was 16 that she died at the age of 32 of anorexia, refusing to eat. All going back to that one time. Think of the pain and the, and, and the hurt and the haunting that she went through with unbelievable success. But the disappointment was too much for her to see all of the good things she had in life. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture. Jesus came to deliver us from the ghosts of our past. Jesus came to deliver us from the ghosts of our past. You see, the angel was bringing good news 
But Zechariah didn't want to hear it. He was doubtful of that good news. But the good news was going to come and it was going to make a difference in Zechariah's life. How does that happen? It happened because he was told this child of yours is going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. And the Messiah that's going to come, Jesus Christ, is going to deal with the ghosts of the past and drive them away. Take all of those chains out. How does Jesus drive away the ghosts of our past? He does three things. The first thing he does is that he delivers us from the guilt of our sins. He delivers us from our sins. That's the first thing we say. We have all this guilt from the past of things we've done. Why was I so stupid? Why did I say this? Why did I do this? Why did I hurt that person? We're filled with that guilt, but Jesus delivers us from that guilt by giving us forgiveness of sins. Look at Ephesians 1.7. If you're following on your outline, I want you to circle a few words for me here. Ephesians 1.7. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and according with the riches of God's grace. Look up there. Circle the words redemption, blood, forgiveness, and grace. All of those in one sentence. That's pretty good words right there. You've been redeemed. What's that mean? Somebody paid the price to do away with your sin. How would they do that? Through his blood, redemption through his blood. So Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sins. Your sin have been put upon him. The wrongs that you have done, the hurts you've done are all been put upon Jesus. He died in your place. You have redemption through his blood. What did that give you? Forgiveness of your sins because of God's grace. And so Jesus does away with all of those hurts from our past. They've been put upon him. The story of Christmas isn't the story of a baby being born. It's the rejoicing of a baby that was going to be born to die on the cross so that you could be forgiven. And so we have the ghost of our past sins done away with. Jesus also came to do away with the ghosts of the things we wished we would have done. All of those regrets of I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. Look at 2 Corinthians 7.10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. It leaves no regret. Worldly sorrow brings death. Again, look up here at this this verse for a second. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. So when Christ comes into your life, you're given that salvation and forgiveness we talked about earlier. Because you now have that new life in Christ, it leaves no regret. There's nothing left to regret. He's overcome all of those things. The things you wish you would have done have now been washed away. Here's the problem. We live in the last part. Our sins haunt us and worldly sorrow brings death. There's a lot of people that the ghosts of their past are like death that they walk around with every day. In the middle of the night, they still hurt. They still cry. They're still there. The ghosts of their past have pulled them down. But godly sorrow leaves no regret. Instead, it brings us into a new relationship with Christ. When I was a senior in high school, uh, our basketball coach uh, at Oldham County High School had come from Ballard. He was the JV coach at Ballard. And so all summer long, we played Ballard in basketball. And Ballard back then had Jerry Eves, Lee Raker, Jeff Lamp. They all went and played pro, ba- pro, pro basketball, okay? So we played them probably 100 times over the summer, all day long. They just beat the living daylights out of us. But our coach would always do this. We'd finish a quarter and we'd be down 40 points. And it's the summertime, so our coach would say, okay, take the clock back to zero, Now, that was always good. We would just start over, wipe out the score and wipe out the time and start all over again. 
And one quarter that summer, we beat them. They might have won 99 quarters, but we beat them. And to this day, I still say, oh, yeah, I played on a team that, that beat a team with three pro players on it one time. You know, I did that. We beat them that quarter. We, we really did. And, uh, but how would you like in your life if God said, hey, we're going to reset the clock. We're going to wipe out all of that score, and you've got a new life starting all over again in me. Godly sorrow leaves no regrets. But what about those circumstances? Sometimes those are the scars that are the worst. Those circumstances that hit us, being abused as a child, having someone that we love, a a spouse, a child that passed away, losing a job, uh, being able right at the verge of, of being able to attend school and then something happening and you're not being able to go. And you have all of these regrets and all of these hurts. Well, when Jesus came, he came to give us true peace. In John chapter 14, it's right before Jesus goes to the cross. This is what he says to his disciples. My peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives it I unto you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. Now, Jesus said, I want to give you a peace, but not like the world gives it. How does the world give peace? For the world, peace is an external thing. For the world, peace is the absence of conflict. And we don't have absence of conflict for long periods of time in our life. So really the way the world gives peace is like a temporary ceasefire or something like that. That's the best the world can do. And it's an external thing. Jesus said, I've come to give you a peace that's not from the outside in. It's from the inside out. And so the peace I'm giving you is a peace that's going to last because it's a peace you can have even in the midst of your circumstances and turmoil. It's not an ending of conflict. It's, it's, a, it's a comfort. It's a presence. It's a, an encouragement and a hope that's coming from the inside out, even when the rest of the world's crazy. That's why Psalm 23 says, I prepare a table before you in the presence of my enemies. That's what God does. Even in the presence of your enemies, that table is there for you to eat because God is there to give you that kind of hope and peace. And so that's my prayer to you today, that for those of you who have had circumstances come upon you, not of your own making, that hurt you to this very day, to know there's a God that wants to start working from the inside of you and giving you a peace that you don't even know at this time that comes from him and comes from his spirit. So God is there to help us with the sins of our past. He's helped us with our regrets of things we should have done and for the circumstances and hurts and scars that have come upon us. Anybody here know who Sheila Escondido is? They are, you are. Sheila E., one of the greatest drummers of all time. Uh, she is currently today the drummer for Jay-Z and Beyonce, uh, but she was with Prince for years. And uh, Sheila E., when you look at her life story, it was a very tragic life story, actually. At the age of five, Sheila E. was raped by an uncle. Uh, for the next 10 years, she had both a cousin and a neighbor that abused her almost on a continual basis. When she finally got out of the house and got into rock and roll music at a very early age, when still just a late teenager, she hooked up with Prince and became the drummer for Prince's band and said the next decade of her life was just out of control, that it was just constant partying, constant sex, constant drugs. She became very famous, very wealthy, And she said she remembered one time in the middle of a tour, uh, as her mind was clouded with drugs, she went out, she sat down the grass, she started to cry, 
and she just prayed, I want to die. I don't want to live. Famous, money, uh, thousands of people seeing you, sitting in the crash, praying and wishing you were dead. And one of the roadies came out and sat down and started talking to her. And she said, man, I got so many hurts from the past. And I'm living such a crazy life today, and I'm not happy. And I just want to die. And he began to tell her about Jesus. And he began to pray with her. And she said when he left, she prayed, Lord, if you're, with, if you're around, help me find joy in one thing tonight. And she looked down at the grass and began to play with the grass in her fingers. And she began to think, well, grass is kind of an amazing thing, isn't it? Just comes out of the dirt, looks really pretty, does all this. She began to look at the grass and she began to say, God, you've caused me to see beauty in the grass. And I believe you see beauty in me. She gave her life to Jesus Christ that night. She Lee's entire life has changed. I read an interview about her just recently. And she was asked, okay, we know you've got God. We know you've got all this stuff going on. But how did you get over all of the hurts that have happened to you in your life? And this is what she said. I have a God whose love and blood was greater than any scar of my past. And he has given me this privilege. Today she started a foundation. And what she does is she works with abused girls. And she lets them know that there's hope. She says, I cry with them. I pray with them. I talk to them. And she said, God has given me an opportunity to make a difference. And I never thought with all of my hurts and with all of my baggage, I could be a person that could ever help anybody else. You see, we all have scars of our past. Look around and find the best person you can find in this room. And they have things that are hurting them at this day. Chains that have been around them for years. But you can put those all aside. Because the birth of Jesus removes the chains of our past. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your unbelievable love that you have for us. You've made us different. You've given us not only a second chance, but a renewed hope. Father, for the scars and the ghosts of our past, help us to find your love. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.